back to FNF Self Tapes. I am your host, Hunter Harris, and I'm back here today with another episode, uh, episode five to be exact. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the Scottish made film Morvern Kalar. Um, quick shout out to uh, Zach with a K with a D, <laughs> a friend of the podcast um, who uh had put this movie forward as a suggestion for a finding new films the friday pod the uh the main pod um put this out as a suggestion uh, uh one week and uh it never came to fruition um you know happily lives in los angeles i still live in raleigh north carolina so kind of hard to have him on <laughs> unless we're doing a zoom episode and at the moment I, I don't know that that's really something I want to do, so here we are, nevertheless. Um, and I also just, since we're in this little before talking about the movie section, I do want to give a trigger warning for uh, Morvern Kalar. Um, this film does have content that pertains to um, self-harm um, and latter, and furthermore, suicide. Um, so it is not lost on me. That is a very serious subject, and it needs to be taken seriously. Um, so if that is something that would trigger some bad emotions or would cause PTSD, that is not something I'm trying to do. So please be warned in the thoughts section and in the plot section. We will be talking about self-harm, and we will be talking about suicide at large. So please be aware of that, as that is something that it will, will be discussed in this episode. Um, now that PSA is over, um, I do want to say, this is probably going to be a really short episode. This movie, it lends itself to have a short episode. Um, so that is what we're going to do. I'm also trying out a new thing where I print the script out. So we'll see if, Maybe I read better. I think I read better on paper than I do on screen, and I know that sounds privileged as hell, but um, bear with me. My parents have a printer, and that's the only reason I tried it, because I was at their house when I remembered that I needed to come film, and so rushed home, but I printed this out beforehand. So we're going to try this out. If it doesn't do anything, I'm going to do the right thing for the environment and... Uh, continue to read them digitally um but i think that's enough conjecture <laughs> um today i filmed an episode of a new podcast that we are starting on the q crew productions uh under the umbrella of the q crew productions it's going to be the basement tapes it's going to be a comedy slash lifestyle slash culture podcast um that is co-hosted by me and um mainstay of the pod at this point uh trevor dupree uh i'm gonna bleep his last name because i've never said his last name i don't know if he wants that out there so yeah um anyway it's gonna be me and trevor and uh we're gonna be talking about some stuff uh just shooting the shit most of the time so be on the lookout for that. That's going to be a bi-weekly uh, podcast, so probably something that we're going to come out with every two weeks or so. 
or generally just whenever we have time. Um, that one I'm going to go ahead and let you know that's not going to follow a strict script uh, as far as getting those episodes out or a strict uploading schedule is what I meant. Um, and it's definitely not following a script either because, yeah, we're, um, we've been friends for a while. We used to live together, so that should be really fun to watch. We just have a, a pretty cool chemistry, I think. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, and I guess while we're on the topic, go watch some episodes of Greg and Jeff Give the Hi-Hat. If you guys have missed those, um, go watch episodes of Finding New Films if you haven't watched that. Um, that's a bulkier episode, a bulkier version of this show. Uh, if this is your first time catching this show, uh, I appreciate you guys coming out if this is your first show. But uh, we don't normally spend about four minutes on uh, on opening remarks so we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty and i think we're gonna get this one done pretty quickly just to be completely honest with you um so yeah let's uh let's go ahead and jump into it i guess um this week i watched morvern kalar i'm gonna do the credits first i meant to say that we're gonna do the credits first we're gonna do the plot synopsis we're gonna read some themes then i'll get to my thoughts and we'll be out and that's it. So, Morvern Kalar is a Scottish film that was released in 2002. By it was distributed by BBC Films and Elias Atlantis, Alliance Atlantis. Excuse me. Uh, the runtime for this film is 97 minutes. The writer of this film, the writers of this film, were Lynn Ramsey and Liana Dognini. The uh, script was based off of a book of the same title authored by Alan Warner. The director of this film was Lynn Ramsey as well. Um, the editor for this film was Lucia Zucchetti. And there was no score for this movie, so for music, I have the two music supervisors that worked on the film. Every piece of music that or audio that was, I guess not audio, but every piece of music that was in this film uh, was pre-released or had already existed. Um, so I put down the music supervisors, and they would be Maggie Bazin and Andrew Cannon. Cinematography is done by Alwyn H. Kolker. I'm going to guess this is the name. And the stars of this film are Samantha Morton, Kathleen McDermott, and Linda McGuire. And so that's the credits. Um, and we're just going to jump right into the plot. I kid you not. This plot synopsis is three paragraphs. This would be the plot synopsis if you asked me to, like, write a paragraph or, like, write an essay about a movie that I was supposed to watch at home for, like, eighth grade English. This would be my plot synopsis for, like, any movie. And so, um, to know that this is actually genuinely the plot synopsis of this movie is really interesting. Um, number one, and then also kind of sad. But nevertheless, this is Morvern Kalar. Morvern Kalar is a young woman in a small port town in Scotland who works at a supermarket. She wakes up on Christmas morning to discover that her boyfriend has killed himself, leaving a suicide note, a mixtape, Christmas presents, and the manuscript of his unpublished novel behind. His novel is dedicated to her, and Morvern decides to erase his name from the manuscript and replace it with her own before sending it to the publisher recommended in his suicide note. 
Despite him having left her money to arrange a funeral, Arvorn tells her best friend and co-worker, Lana, that she that her boyfriend has left her and has moved abroad. After several days, Morvern cuts up his body and buries it in the mountains and arranges a holiday to Almeria, Spain, with Lana, who, shortly before departure, reveals to Morvern that she had slept with her boyfriend previously. As they go out and party, Morvern feels that she is in a different mood from Lana and heads back to the hotel. She meets a man whose mother has recently died and has sex with him. The next day, Morvern convinces Lana to travel with her to another town where they get excuse me, lost and spend the night on a rural road. Lana becomes exasperated with Morvern, and in the morning, Morvern leaves her. Morvern meets with publishers who have traveled to Spain with hopes of getting the rights to the manuscript. Morvern continues to pretend that she wrote the novel and accepts an 100,000 euro advance. Back in Scotland, Morvern attempts to convince Lana to leave with her, but Lana refuses, stating her life in Scotland, uh, sorry, refuses, stating that her life is in Scotland, and warning Morvern that everywhere else is, quote, just as bad. Morvern collects her suitcase and goes to the railway station and is last seen at a night club listening to Dedicated to the One I Love from the mixtape her boyfriend had left for her on Christmas Day. And that was Morvern Kalar, quite literally. Um, this, this is a criminally short movie, and uh, it's a movie that criminally has nothing going on. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know in recent times that I've seen a movie that deals so heavily with absolutely fucking nothing. Um, now, I do also want to say, on top of that, this is one of the few movies that can get away with doing absolutely fucking nothing and get away with it. Um, this movie is very taboo. This movie is not for the faint of heart. This movie is for people who love movies. And this movie um, has no right to be popular. And I don't say that to be mean. It it does not have, with its subject matter and who these characters are as people, I do not believe that this movie has a right to be popular. If this movie was popular, it would startle me. It would shake me to my core. The idea that this character of Morvern Kalar, played by Samantha Morton, is endearing in any way, is fucking terrifying. I'm sorry if you can hear me hitting my chair, but holy shit, that is terrifying to think that legitimately anybody would find this character to be endearing, to find a relatability in this character, honestly, genuinely anything. And I also feel the same way about a lot of serial murderers in films that are supposed to be portrayed as the protagonist. I don't understand how serial murder has become a babyface tactic i really don't um however um it, it, this this movie i i do feel like does not try to do like what action movies do where they make serial murders into into protagonists that i feel like this movie does stray away from that and it gets away from that idea um more than likely because it's written by a woman uh, at least the screenplay. The initial book was written by a male. 
Um, but the screenplay is written by two females, or two women. Females is crazy. My bad. Uh, but two women. Um, so I do feel like it, it allows itself to come off a little bit more endearing in a way. Um, I do feel like if I read the book that I would find this to be like almost abhorrent. Um, and perhaps that's a psychological thing. Perhaps that's a societal thing. Perhaps that's my own personal biases. I have no clue what that is, but that is, that's just how I'm leaning at the current moment. Um, but yeah, I, I will say generally, I enjoy this movie. Uh, and I think with that, I'm actually going to just start reading some of my notes. Uh, in this first note, I'm going to reiterate from the beginning of the podcast, this, these thoughts, I've already talked about the plot, so we don't have to get into that. But some of my thoughts are going to pertain to self-harm, to suicide, and to very triggering subjects. So please be aware of that before you continue. I really don't want to have to warn anyone of that again. So, with all that being said, I'm actually going to read the themes first, because I did say I was going to do that first, and then I'm going to read some of my thoughts. So, the themes are as follows. I have capitalism and the effects on an individual... I have the destruction and building up of character. I have convention and rebellion. I have desire to escape. Disillusionment and dreams. Facing darkness. Free will. Identity crisis. Loss of innocence. Names, their power and significance. Power of wealth. The quest for discovery. Temptation and destruction. And working class struggles and those are a lot of the themes that i picked up in this movie if you have more themes that you picked up feel free to leave them in the comments i'm always honestly looking to have a com i'm always honestly looking to have a conversation in any comment section um on youtube obviously it's going to be the only place you're going to be able to comment on this but um i love having conversations so if you if you genuinely would like to talk to me specifically throw it in the comments and i'll go down there and talk to you it may be as the Q Cruise page, but uh, know that more than likely that's me, because I'm like the only person that runs that. So, Chess, if you want to talk to me, just throw some comments on the on the YouTube. Honestly, um, and I think with that, I'm actually gonna finally get into the thoughts. And my first thought is a very chilling and unnerving one, and it is why I gave a second warning. Um, so. Um, Morburn's boyfriend kills himself and basically is face first into the ground uh, in the living room uh, where the living room turns into the kitchen or in there in that doorway where the living room and kitchen meet one another and um, the amount of time and the way that the body sits there for that amount of time is so unnerving um, and genuinely bothers me. Uh, it, it, it has sat in my head for the past few days. Just the fact of someone like tiptoeing over a body, like going out, talking to friends, doing all that, like doing the whole like social, um, you know, like gamut and all that. 
and then being able to like <laughs> being able to just get your mind out of that space and be like oh you know there's not someone dead on my floor in my kitchen right now it'd be fine if i just walked over them and went out and had some drinks snorted k that is the biggest thing for me um right off the bat that was just like holy shit this movie is dark as hell um and it really is for as whimsical and as and how much whimsy it likes to put off this movie's dark as fuck um and i think that it should do more in like in the plot synopsis and i guess if you read a plot synopsis and read suicide and don't think the movie is about to have a dark uh a dark comedic un- i just killed in that and it doesn't it's not gonna have a dark comedic undertone i, I don't think you understand the type of the, the mind of the person who wants to kill themselves um you know, I, I feel like a lot of people who are in that position find it very hard and take life seriously, find that they find it very hard to really find emotion in much of anything. And um, and I feel like uh, Samantha Morton's character plays up her depression uh, that she would be feeling after having lost her boyfriend in such a way. She plays that perfectly in my per in my perfectly honest opinion. I don't know about perfectly, actually. She plays it very well. And I, I think the spaciness that she does play it with as well is also really good. I think she uh she really lends herself. She's very vulnerable in this role. And uh I, I really enjoy her role. Um I think it's her name is Kathleen McDermott, I wanna say. Yep, Kathleen McDermott, uh, who plays the role of Lana. She also plays a very good straight character role. I don't mean, like, sexuality-wise. I mean, in a Lewis and Costello type of way, or Abbott and Costello, rather, type of way. Uh, straight man and the and the goofy guy type, type role. Um, right? Abbott and Costello. If I'm wrong on that, I'm sorry, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, basically, um, basically, she plays a great straight man, uh, straight woman in this role, uh, and it deserves to be pointed out, because she does a really good job of, like, while at the same time having human qualities of, like, wanting to explore and wanting to, uh, like, branch out in certain ways i think she also has a great sense of like okay but i need to like reel this back into um a a relatable human mind and i think she does that pretty effectively in this movie so that was one those were two really positives about the movie Uh, the main dynamic is really well acted and then they also have good chemistry so i think that plays to the movie's benefit in a very very strong way um and that's i think really all i need to say about that um i want to note that uh the bathtub scenes both of them are very interesting 
the one scene where she's by herself and she spends too much time underwater simulating that almost like she uh, is trying to also self-harm just in a in a different way uh you know that is uh very prescient it's very at the forefront and i i think it's uh, an interesting thing to to note after you suffer such immense loss um that you do sometimes kind of just feel like like i all i want to do is die too um I think it's very human. I think it's very natural, and it gave me a clear avenue to empathize with more Vern, even though she goes on to do some absolutely heinous shit. Um, the, just that ability to open that door to empathize with a character who is also capable of being morally ir- ir- irreparable. <laughs> To be able to open the door, to be able to empathize with the character who then becomes so morally irreprehensible is a masterclass for me. Um, And I, to be honest, I've seen Lynn Ramsey's uh, work before. I saw her film, uh, Let's Talk About Kevin. Um, And if you haven't seen that film, heavily recommend. It's one of, I think it's genuinely one of four films that she's ever directed. but it is incredible. It is about a uh, mother, father, and uh, and son, and it is about a son who does not like the mom and has a personal vendetta against her. But he is very good at uh, at keeping it shut off from the dad, who's actually played by John C. Riley. Uh, so if you really enjoyed that. Uh, it's John C. Riley in one of his uh, little indie roles that he loves to to do sometimes, uh, and I love him for doing. <laughs> and um, and genuinely is very good. But hearing that that was Lynn Ramsey and coming into this movie, you kind of understand the type of vibe that you're gonna get. You're gonna get placid vibes, and I don't mean that as an insult. It is just you kind of you just sit with the characters for sometimes. You you just sit there. And you watch what they do, you see their quiet moments, you see their intimate moments, you see uh, who they really truly are. And uh, I really enjoy that about a lot of Lynn's movies, or well, I guess about the two movies that I've seen of hers, um, that you really just get to spend time with the characters rather than uh, feel like you have to know everything about them and even know things that they don't know. I really enjoy that this movie uh, kind of just keys you perfectly into like what more Vern goes through, um, and really gives you nothing more than what more Vern knows and what more Vern is telling to her friends. You see the omniscient point of view, but not in a way where you're seeing more Vern's specific thoughts and emotions. You have to read those yourself as if you're kind of just a person that's standing in the room or in the same vicinity as the the characters on screen, uh, rather than you really feel like you're seeing like a true narrator, omniscient point of view, where even the things that Morvern wants to hide, she you still are seeing them. You only see the things that Morvern wants her friends to know, um, and it's not even the things that her friends that she wants her friends to know. You see the true context of what she knows, but you don't. But you also get to see that her lying to her her friend, 
and see her lying to um, whomever else it is she's lying to, whether it be the the book producers, whether it be Lana's grandmother, whether it be the man that she ends up hooking up with who's just gone through the passing of his mother, which is just so fucking dark. Um, yeah, um, just wild stuff. I think I need to move on, though. Uh, I, I enjoy the Christmas lights blinking. I um, I don't know that it has any crazy meaning or anything like that. I just enjoy it visually uh, to kind of give this feeling of, again, placidness, but also of catharsis. It's almost like a placid catharsis, if you will. Um, you know, of like, perhaps this character feels calm and collected, but at the same time, like, this constant, like, well, not, I wouldn't say rapid, but like, you know, on a, on a consistent, you know, bing, 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 bing type of, uh, type of consistency. I mean, that would annoy the shit out of me if that was blinking over and over. And there has to be a reason that she's not turning it off. Um, so can't help but feel that that had some type of further meaning. I didn't quite figure it out, but I did find it to be interesting visually. So, uh, even though I don't fully understand exactly why, uh, it's, it's being done, I do really enjoy it. So, movies can be weird like that, I think. <laughs> uh, and the scene of her taking her Christmas presents, well, not taking them, but, like, going through all of her presents and then taking the money out of his back pocket was, um was just kind of hard, uh, really just kind of hard to watch, because you never find out why this man has killed himself, ever, you do not find out, for me personally, I feel that it's heavily implicated that, uh, that she was in a toxic relationship, and perhaps this partner was abusive, that is my personal interpretation of how I felt from what I had seen. That's possibly wrong, so do not take what I say as, as fact or anything like that. Uh, that is how I interpret it, uh, and that is why I think that she is so comfortable with chopping his body up la later on in the film. Um, and I feel like that is perhaps why she feels so justified, and I think it is further uh, kind of sewn in when you hear that Lana... It has, you know, engaged in infidelity with her boyfriend. Um, I think that further just kind of goes to show that she's not being treated with respect, that more burn that is. And I, I think it further just goes to show, too, that, um, you know, <laughs> she's going to be okay with cutting his body up and, and screwing it all over the woods. Um, that was one thing that I felt was never really expanded on. I don't know that it necessarily needed to, obviously, but um, just kind of really interesting uh, as a as a talking point. And then you see her taking the money out of his back pocket, and you start to wonder, like, okay, well, is she really is she justified in doing that, or is that like a uh, is she going out of her way to be petty with that? Um, that I don't know, and I think that's something that to be left up to your interpretation for this sole purpose. Um, just as one last note I have on the, uh, on the, on my thoughts here, um, that campfire scene where all the, uh, all the white people are 
just kind of chanting and going in a circle, I have my notes says white people are crazy. Uh, <laughs> and that's it for the for that first page. I've got it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I got 17 notes left. Uh, it seems like a lot. I think I've already probably touched on a few of them, and some of them are probably nothings. Uh, one of them I probably don't understand, because that's just the nature of me. But, um, yeah, I, I got to take a break really quick. That's why I was saying that. I got to take a break really quick. Um... And when we come back, I'm going to finish up my thoughts, and I'm going to throw this on the list, and uh, and then I'm going to be out of your hair. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I really don't have that much more to say. So probably 15 minutes after we get back is probably when it's going to be over. So just be on the lookout. Not on the lookout, just, okay, I'm back. And we are back talking about Morvern Kalar. Um, when I left off, I left off on my note about how uh, white people are insane, uh, and I, I it, it kind of just gets proved to me every day of my life. So uh, I have a very strong belief in the fact that white people are crazy. Um, first-hand accounts as well. I uh, I get to see it on a daily basis, so to speak. Um, um, I thought that spotlight scene, spotlight scene was uh, pretty bizarre. I uh, don't exactly remember it incredibly well, but if I remember... Oh, you know what? I do remember she is standing on the bank, and this fisherman shines a spotlight on her, and she starts acting sexy for no reason, and that's really it. I didn't quite get it. I uh, don't know that it's for me to get and so i'll just leave it there uh <laughs> one thing that i did find to be funny uh just in a weirdly ironic type of way just her tweaking uh off her ass trying to find her nail on the floor was really funny um yeah I, that's really it and there's nothing more really needs to be said about that um I thought the grandmother in the film was really funny. I thought them taking the piss out of her was pretty funny, like making fun of her and stuff if you're not up on British lingo. Uh, basically, like, them making fun of the grandma was pretty funny and being, like, trying to confuse her. I find that to be funny. When old people are confused, I don't know, man. That's just my bread and butter. <laughs> but, uh, But, you know... I, I, she, the actress that played the grandmother, I'm pretty sure literally was just someone's grandma that they found off the street because if not, she's a great actress because she did a great job. Um, I have another note here. That's really all I need to say about the grandma, to be completely honest with you. But another note I have here is the movie is very solemn, sedated, and sardonic. Uh, super slow super melancholy and pretty like almost like sinister-esque dark uh when she cuts up that body i mean i can't tell you how wide open my mouth was um it was genuinely shocking that someone would do that 
And then the fact that over the course of the movie, you ne she never ever shows the feeling of remorse. Like, ever. <laughs> and, um, that really bothered me a lot, I think. That's the biggest thing in this movie for me, personally. I, I, I really, really just, I don't like <laughs> the idea that this character has no remorse. For chopping up someone's body but then i think also that it only fuels the the conspiracy-esque nature of his suicide that we had spoke about earlier so on one hand i like the choice on the other hand i don't know how much i like it um i'm not gonna say it's bad by any means uh, nothing in this movie is bad let me go ahead and say um it just feels that everything is almost good if that makes any sense um i enjoyed her listening to her her tape that was made for her for christmas throughout the whole movie i thought that was an emotional tie back i thought that was a good emotional tie back i almost spilled my beer i thought that was a good emotional tie back to the boyfriend throughout the whole movie to kind of remind you that he's there or that was there at some point uh well you never really he, he's never there He's dead by the time the movie is starting. Um, but I I really enjoyed the touch of that, of keeping him around. Um, it reminded me a lot, and they don't have a lot to do with each other, but the idea of the boyfriend kind of sticking around and keeping that like uh, as a plot point of just having them there always or having the feeling of them there always kind of reminded me a lot of H24's A Ghost Story. Uh, that was directed by uh, David Lowry. Incredible movie, in my personal opinion. I can understand. I've seen people say that they hate that movie. Fair, fair, fair point. I'm not going to argue that at all. I personally like this movie, More Room Kalar, and I personally like the, A Ghost Story a lot. Um, so if that's something that... Uh, if this is a movie that you like and you're watching this review because you like this movie, I can't recommend a ghost story enough for you. Um, same type of vibe, same type of feel, really just not um, not as dark and, and nowhere close to as sarcastic or cheeky. Um, but yeah. Um, very solemn, sedated, and sardonic. Um, and then the touch of the tape is super cool. And I, I, that that was the one point I was trying to make really right there, was having that tape stick around the whole time reminds me in a ghost story how Casey Affleck's character stands around in the sheet uh, as a ghost throughout the entire film. I thought it was a really nice touch, and uh, it's a really nice touch in Morvern, and I feel that it's a really nice touch in, in a ghost story as well. Um Yeah, the the body chop up scene was crazy too. Listening to Johnny Kale naked with aviators on, chopping the body up and having those little squirts of blood just flying onto her and and all that nonsense, uh, just crazy stuff. <laughs> I felt like I was in a fever dream. Um, and my next note right after that is more Vern is not okay. <laughs> um, 
I really enjoy how music, how important music is to this film, and it carries a very quiet, humming chaos that's so unsettling that you almost feel compelled to not look away in case you might miss something uh, that actually feels like important or actually feels like uh, the story might move. And, you know, it, it, I can't really get, a, I, I have four notes for this and I've said something different every time, but this movie just feels so just meandering that uh that it just it just feels like it's making so much casual uh conversation out of something that feels so not casual in any way the opposite of casual genuinely uh and the fact that it's able to to resonate this much with me is kind of like making me rethink my score a little bit um But yeah, it's so unsettling. It, you, you can't not notice it, really. Uh, I want to say the rave scene was shot very cool, and I thought the music was really well done in that scene. Um, Lana's selfishness plays really well in this movie as more Vern's foil. Um, even though more Vern's real foil is that she fucking chopped up her boyfriend's body and spread it across the Scottish Highlands. I think that's the real moral uh, fight for this and um, the fact that at the end of the movie you can almost feel that Morvern is correct for the way that she treats Lana <laughs> after like everything that you've seen her do uh, kind of feels like I'm insane uh, like I'm like where have I gone wrong <laughs> I kind of get to the point where I'm like, where have I gone wrong? And to where, like, I empathize with this character or, like, understand where they're coming from. I don't know. Um, but the amount of money that Morvern eventually makes off the book and the, like, amount of surprise on her face is really sold well. And, like, the fact that she does not want to live in Scotland really anymore uh is really interesting to me and uh and despite her being absolutely morally compromised she somehow still feels like a better person than Lana at the end of the movie um and she's not it's plain simple fact that she is not a better person than Lana uh, and so how Lynn is able, Lynn and Lena, Leona Dognini are able to write this character in such a way that can feel endeared after she literally committed such an heinous act, um, is pretty remarkable in my personal opinion, and that is actually my last note, um, just like this movie, this review is going to end really abruptly, <laughs> because that is it. That is quite literally all that happens after that, after you see her go back to um, go back to Lana's and try to be friends with her again. Um, well, not they're they're still friends, but she goes back to her and is like, hey, you want to go travel the world? Don't worry about money or anything. But she's lied so much to Lana now at this point that Lana doesn't fucking care. 
about like yeah i'm not going to care about money but because we're not going to go anywhere because we're not friends um it's just the real interesting dynamic that i feel like is bred through uh, multiple layers of trauma and uh yeah it plays interesting it's definitely worth a watch in my personal opinion i say that i've said that a lot in this episode but in my it kind of feels very important for this per- this episode specifically but in my personal opinion this this episode or this movie is one to catch i don't know how much i will ever watch this movie again or how much i will rewatch this movie um it is not endearing uh and i do not feel endeared to anyone in this movie anyone not even the the boyfriend that commits suicide not even him so uh you know taking all that into consideration um this movie is really just a a a test of the human spirit and a test of what it is we all you know uh, are able to are able to take i think uh and the amount of shit we're able to take i think that really is the uh the biggest thing for this movie uh as far as themes or ideas go um and now it needs to go on the list because it's that time and i don't have anything else to talk about so i'm gonna go ahead and throw it it's a 6.7 uh and funnily enough this has nothing to do with me looking or researching or anything. The last two movies that I've done, uh, actually, you know what? Malcolm X probably is not. But I think I gave I gave Blood Simple the exact same rating that it has on IMDb, and I gave this film the exact same rating that it has on IMDb. Um, now that's not something that I'm looking at and consciously making a decision. <laughs> That's genuinely how I felt about it, but I find that hilarious. Um, I did not do that last week with Malcolm X because I can almost guarantee IMDb does not have Malcolm X at a 9 out of 10. I don't think they have any movie at a 9 out of 10, not even like Shawshank, which is like the highest rated movie on IMDb. Um, So yeah, I think I'm in the clear there, (laughs) but... uh, this is going to get a... Oh, did I give it a 6.7 or a 7.6? 6.7. So this will be... Uh, this will go down as the lowest rated movie in self-tapes uh, as of episode 5 at the very, at the very least. Um, so... Um, what do we need to do now? Yeah, so I've been sitting 6... Uh, underneath Lost in Translation, which is a good, cool 7.7 7, uh, over Morver and Kalar. Um, so, pretty pretty clear very last movie on the list here. But uh, from there, I want to transition to some closing remarks. Um, I want to thank you for watching this episode. It took the time. Um... If you've seen more Vern Kalar, leave your thoughts in the comments. That would be really cool to talk about this movie because it's 
one of the more jarring ones that I've definitely uh, that I've seen for the whole series of finding new films in general. Out of the now thirty movies, thirty-one movies that I've watched since January third, um, very weird movie. But uh, if you have some thoughts on Warburton Kalar, throw them in the comment section below. Uh, if you're listening to this on audio, feel free to follow the podcast and rate us five stars if you'd be so nice. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please like this vid, please subscribe, and uh, we actually have a bunch of cool other content for anybody else that would be interested. We've got this show, Self Tapes, which is me reviewing on Mondays. We've got Finding New Films on Fridays, which is me and a guest doing the exact same structure of show but it's me and somebody else um we have greg and jeff give the hi-hat that is sundays at midnight uh where they talk about everything life that is my my dad and my godfather um talking through past stories current stories just all the fun of life and tragedy and misery and all the all the stuff everything that comes with life but mostly on the comedic side. And then coming soon, be able to look out for this. Uh, the Basement Tapes with uh, Trevor and myself will be coming out uh, very, very soon here. So definitely be on the lookout for that. That is going to be a comedy slash lifestyle slash culture podcast that we come out with about every two weeks. I don't want to give you a, a, a set day or anything, but... Every two or weeks or so, that'll come out, uh, depending on schedules. If one's not going to come out for a long while, we'll definitely make sure to let you guys know. But uh, we have already filmed the first episode, and I really only need to make intros and outros now at this point. We've got a logo and everything, so uh, that is swiftly coming your way. So be on the lookout. And anything else that I need to plug before I go? No, I don't think so. Um, I appreciate everybody for coming through. I uh, will see you guys this upcoming Friday on uh, Finding New Films. It is going to be me. I said this on Friday that it was going to be probably me and my dad, but it is not. It's going to be me and Zach with an H. Uh, we are going to be doing the, the base show, Finding New Films. We're going to be watching the all-paint uh it, it's hard to explain i will explain it better when we get there but we're we're watching the animated film loving vincent uh from 2017 uh so tune in the this friday to listen to our thoughts on that and then next monday i will be watching the robert rodriguez film el mariachi uh, it is a spanish language film so uh if that's something you would be interested in, in preparation for the podcast, go ahead and watch that with me. It's about an hour, 20 minutes. It's going to be, I'm going to go ahead and say, this is going to be the shortest movie we will probably ever watch uh, for this whole pod. I would be very surprised if we find a movie shorter than this. Um, but that is next week, El Mariachi by Robert Rodriguez. So be on the lookout there we have another episode of greg and jeff on um, coming this sunday so be on the lookout for that as well and that's the end of my spiel i appreciate everybody for listening if you have listened this far i 
have nothing else to say. Goodbye. Mwah.